And like that, the holiday slowdown is over, and it is back to some semblance of a regular schedule here at Charlottesville Community Engagement. 2022 is almost over, and it's time for each of us to reflect on what took place. For me, there have been 363 days so far. What about you? On today's show, an outdoor pool and health club is planned at the intersection of Interstate 64 and US 29. Area groups continue to raise money for the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank. There are only two days left to grocery shop in Albemarle and Charlottesville without paying a five cent tax for each bag. And three area groups have won local food infrastructure awards from Governor Glenn Youngkin and an update on the status of the zoning code rewrite in Albemarle County. In today's first sponsored message, Charlottesville Community Engagement's continued existence means that many of you support local information. Want to also support some local businesses as this holiday season continues toward the new year? The Buy Local campaign is in full swing and both the Albemarle and Charlottesville offices of economic development want people to consider spending locally as they shop this year. The Buy Local campaign highlights small businesses within Charlottesville and Albemarle County through a multi-channel, multimedia, promotional and educational campaign designed to reinforce how important supporting area small businesses is to the local economy. The campaign will continue long after the holidays. Locally owned, independent businesses with a brick and mortar presence in the city or county interested in being featured in the campaign should visit www.showlocallove.org or contact info at showlocallove.org. The owners of a beer distribution facility at the intersection of Interstate 64 and US-29 have filed plans with Albemarle County for a health club and pool. The project would be constructed on property just to the north of the existing Virginia Eagle Distributing and is within the jurisdiction of the Albemarle Architectural Review Board. The land is zoned for highway commercial and the site plan states that the project can proceed on well water as well as an on-site septic system. The project would include a 5,445-square-foot, eight-lane outdoor pool with a 3,150-square-foot spa and gym and two pickleball courts. There would be 70 parking spaces. This pool and health club is outside the scope of a rezoning request made by Riverbend Development for 145 acres of nearby land. A community meeting for that project was held in August after the application was made in late February. More on that by the time this article gets to Information Charlottesville. Three projects in our area have secured funding from the Commonwealth of Virginia to help expand the local food industry. Governor Glenn Youngkin has announced 10 grants totaling $368,885 from the Agriculture and Forestry Industries Development Grant Program. One is for $24,000 for Kelly Turkeys in Albemarle County. That's so that they can purchase equipment to begin grinding turkey for sales. 
Here's a section from the press release. In operation since 2015, Kelly Turkeys grows and processes Kelly Bronze Birds, an internationally known breed of heritage turkeys raised using sustainable farming methods. The second is for $50,000 for a request from the Charlottesville Economic Development Authority for a commercial kitchen for the Black Entrepreneurial Advancement and Community Opportunity Network, or Beacon, intended to help up to 16 local food businesses. Nelson County will receive $25,000 to help purchase ultra-PV apple processing equipment for Silver Creek Orchards and Siemens Orchards that will allow for output to triple. Here's another section from the press release. The UV treatment allows orchards to produce an FDA-approved product with an extended shelf life, which will allow locally produced cider to be distributed throughout the region. Other projects in the state include $21,500 for a commercial kitchen in Bedford County for eco-friendly foods. Culpeper County also gets $50,000 for a commercial kitchen, this time at the George Washington Carver Food Enterprise Center. There's also a commercial cannery in Prince Edward County that got $50,000, $33,333 for a meat processing plant in Franklin County, $50,000 for the Virginia Produce Company to expand its vegetable processing in Carroll County, $50,000 for an entity called the Local Environmental Agricultural Project, or LEAP, for a food hub in Roanoke, and $15,502 for a farmer's market in the city of Galax. It's the time of year when so many are raising funds for various causes. This is the time in the newsletter when I can report some of what's happened. The Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors raised $23,140 in November for the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank. That includes a $10,000 match from realtor Sally Neal and Peter Neal. If you'd like to help with another program to provide resources to the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank, Home Services for the Holidays is still collecting non-perishable food items on service calls. Participating companies include Albemarle Heating and Air, Beck Cohen, Jones Heating and Air, Monticello Air, Restoration One, W.E. Brown, and The Noland Company. They're all taking collections through Saturday. You can learn more on their Facebook page. There's a link in the newsletter. Here's another reminder that on Sunday, retail stores in Albemarle and Charlottesville, including groceries, will begin to charge a five-cent tax for each plastic bag used to carry out purchases. Both the Board of Supervisors and the City Council approved the new tax levy earlier this year. Here's a section of Albemarle's fiscal year 2023 budget that describes how the money is to be used. All revenue from a tax imposed shall be appropriated for the purposes of environmental cleanup, providing education programs designed to reduce environmental waste, mitigating pollution and litter, or providing reusable bags to recipients of Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program or Women, Infants, and Children's Program benefits. Albemarle's budget anticipates $20,000 in revenue in the first six months of 2023. Charlottesville's adopted budget does not include an anticipated amount expected to be raised as council only levied the tasks later in the year after the budget was adopted. On Tuesday, the city's Office of Community Solutions sent out notice of two places where people can drop off reusable bags to be distributed to others so they can avoid the five-cent tax. 
These are Refill Renew at 1717 Adelaide Lane off of Harris Street in Charlottesville and Dogwood Refillery at 190 Zan Road in Charlottesville. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And in today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Friends of Charlottesville Downtown and the Charlottesville Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau want you to visit downtown for Magic on the Mall until January the 8th. Festive activities include the Peppermint Trail, where you can find all sorts of treats and a magical scavenger hunt to find the elves in Seaville by starting at Charlottesville Insider or downloading it online. For a full list of participating businesses and location, visit friendsofseaville.org. They also encourage you to vote in the storefront window decorating competition via QR code and enter the end of year giveaway for a $1,000 downtown gift card. There have been many words written and uttered in Charlottesville community engagement about the land use reform underway in the city since the first newsletter back in July of 2020. But there have been fewer stories written about Albemarle County's ongoing efforts to update its comprehensive plan and its zoning code at the same time. At their last meeting on December 13th, the Albemarle Planning Commission got an update on what's being called a modernization of the zoning code. Before we get into the details, I just want to note that the Rio District has been unrepresented since July, when Daniel Bailey resigned from the Planning Commission. But that zoning work session was kicked off by Leah Brumfield, a senior planner with Albemarle County. The ordinance has not undergone a complete overhaul since it was adopted in 1980. We've made a number of amendments to the ordinance in those intervening 40 years, but the ordinance is in need of an overall reorganization and an overall cleaning up. The intent is to make the code more clear and more user-friendly. Albemarle has hired the Berkeley Group to do a lot of this work. The Bridgewater-based government consulting firm is doing similar work in Pennsylvania County, as well as assisting Nelson County with its comprehensive plan. Since the beginning of the year, the scope and direction of the work has changed. The original idea had been to make some tweaks to rules, such as those for setbacks, and to streamline some of the language. But following two work sessions in April and June, we did come to the realization that the project needed to be restarted from the ground up. Unlike the comprehensive plan work, most of the work on the zoning code to date has not been very public. Since a second kickoff meeting in August, the six planning commissioners were interviewed by the Berkeley Group, as were staff. Here's a section of Appendix C in the report, written for the December 13th meeting. Albemarle County also gave a tour of the county to Berkeley Group staff to help familiarize them with the county and highlight specific development areas, design standards, and uses in the community. Three of the major focus areas visited during this tour was the Broadway Industrial Area, the Brook Hill Neighborhood Development, and the Foothills Crossing Subdivision in the Crozier Area. Representatives from the development community had the opportunity to ask their questions at a listening session on November 10th. Here's Rebecca Cobb, a planner with the Berkeley Group. 
we've kind of got three buckets. We're going to do investigations. We're going to develop content and then there will be adoption. And so for this phase one, we've done most of the investigation and you all participated in some of that. There is to be an open house in January for the public to review the work of phase one to date. If you're interested, reading the summary of the engagement is probably worthwhile to see what those who work with the code most have to say. Here are some highlights from the first 15 pages of notes. The current ordinance is overly complex and difficult to navigate, making it overly burdensome to administer and unapproachable for community members. Density and building height should be updated for a growing community that has both urban and rural land. The neighborhood model district should be reevaluated following the completion of the comprehensive plan update process, as it is overly difficult to administer and long-term use as its own zoning district may continue to add administrative burdens. Here's some of the highlights as stated by Rebecca Cobb. Lengthy approval processes, a desire for more by right uses. There was also common thread about increasing density and building height in specific areas. The ability to do customized zoning areas through the neighborhood model district was adopted by the Board of Supervisors in 2001 as a way to help encourage walkable communities in the development areas. Now, so far, all of the work on the zoning code has been for developers and other stakeholders in the game. A public engagement plan is in the works, and one commissioner wanted to know how success in that realm would be measured. How do we know if we're successful in those exercises? Um, I mean, theoretically, 10 people could engage. We could say, we did it, right? And we do plan on having some metrics and kind of monitoring and seeing, um, you know, are people visiting the, the web page? How many people mm. responded to the survey? And I think the end result, too, of knowing how successful is if we're getting information and answers that um, we can really utilize and make changes in the ordinance. It shows that people are understanding what we're, we're talking about um, and we are answering needs. Much of that monitoring will be handled by the county's engagement staff. This month, two new community coordinators were introduced. Commissioner Lonnie Murray said he had a concern about some of the tone of the zoning diagnostic. As I go through here, I see a lot of things about expedite um, or about various policies being uh, barriers to development or barriers to, to this or that. And I think it's just worth noting that a lot of our policies come about because we explicitly were trying to stop um, things from happening in certain areas or certain natural resources being affected. So the fact that it is difficult to, you know, build on a critical slope or to build on a floodplain or to do those things, those are not, those aren't done to be barriers. They're, they're done to protect a, a resource. Commissioner Firehawk agreed and said that the county should set a high standard of development in sensitive areas. Like one of the things I circled in the document was um, you made an example of um, FEMA. You know, our our standards are more stringent than FEMA. And that's an example of like, yes, that's a good thing. You know, Charlottesville doesn't mind if you build in the 100-year floodplain. Uh, part of our stringency has to do with, um, you know, the aftermath of Hurricane Camille and loss of lives. And it's really actually a really bad idea to build in the 100-year floodplain. 
Firehawk also noted that the county is very short-staffed at the moment, and efforts to expedite processes may not work if there are not people to do the work. She also suggested priorities for what should move ahead faster. Some localities have engaged in a different kind of expediting, which is greenlighting, where, you know, we've lost a lot of our ability to acquire things um, like on-site water quality treatment, for example. Um, but if you do enough of the sort of the green things in your application, you actually can get in a different pile to be reviewed faster. Firehawk said that could include permeable pavement and green roofs. That open house is scheduled to come up sometime in January. Stay tuned to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And two future work sessions with the Planning Commission will take place in the first half of 2023. Stay tuned. This is what I cover. This is what I do. But you are at the end of this particular installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I took a few days off and the temptation today was to take another. But yet, here I am at the end of another newsletter, making myself stop writing so I can get this one out. I already have three other stories that could have fit into this one. I want to write as much as I can and glad to be on my way toward getting back into the groove as I can. Thank you to all of the people who have signed up this week for paid subscriptions, as well as all of those who signed up in all of December. Your personalized thank you notes will be on the way if I haven't gotten to you already. That includes two $200 a year founding members, which comes with two shout outs a month, as well as my gratitude. I spend my days going through as much as I can so I can bring you as much information as I can. You're helping to pay for this experiment in journalism, and I'm grateful for the founding members as well as the $5 a month supporters and the $50 a year supporters. No matter the amount, Ting will match the first payment, and there's a couple of days to add to the list for December. Ting is an internet provider that's helping to build community, and I would say their support of this publication fits the description. Why not give yourself the gift of faster broadband? Ting can help you with that. If you sign up for a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you'll get a free installation, a second month for free, a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you to Ting and everyone else. Let's get going because there's another one coming out tomorrow. In the meantime, I also have to write uh, my first weekly column for Siva Weekly. Yeah, that's true. You heard it here. I didn't put that in the newsletter. That's the kind of exclusive thing you get by listening, as well as hopefully the occasional funny joke. Thanks for listening and goodbye.